Hello, welcome back to another episode of Pastor Vic's Nuggets of Truth. Today we look at the final miracle of Jesus in the Gospel of John. John the Apostle wrote about seven miracles. The final one is truly the most important and symbolic of the life to come. Remember, John chose to write about seven miracles, but John also wrote this at the end of the Gospel. This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. In other words, those are the words of John. Uh, so John chose these seven miracles out of many to show that Jesus had authority and power from, uh, from the Father over all the earth. Hi again. Just wanted to take a moment to uh, remind you, especially those that are listening on my podcast or listening to this video, that uh, there are all kinds of free resources on my website. And my website, you can get to it by just, just typing in pastorvic.com or pastorvicsnuggets.com. Either way will get you to my website. And so uh, there are all kinds of videos, audios, and probably most important to people, there are also written notes in Word format that you can use for your own ministry, you can use for your own life, uh, and I just encourage you to check it out. Again, PastorVic.com. Thank you. The first miracle, remember, was changing the water into wine at Cana. That's found in John 2, verses 1 through 11. And what it demonstrates is that Jesus has authority over science, so to speak, able to change water into wine. Then there was the healing of the royal official son in Capernaum, and that's in John 4, verses 46 through 54. Jesus has authority over sickness. The third miracle was the healing of the paralytic at the pool of Bethesda. That's found in John chapter 5, 1 through 15. And what this demonstrates is that Jesus has authority over paralysis and disease in the body. Then, of course, the fourth one is the feeding of the 5,000. We see that in John chapter 6, verses 5 through 14. And what this shows is that Jesus has authority of provision. He can take care of his own. Remember, and feeding 5,000 people. Then five was when Jesus was walking on the water. We see that in John chapter 6, 16 through 24. Jesus has authority over the physical order of nature. Then the, number six was the healing of the blind man from birth. And that was found in John chapter 9, verse 1 through 7. And what that shows is that Jesus has authority over blindness, both physical blindness, as in this example, but spiritual blindness as well. And then today we're going to be talking about the raising of Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11, verses 1 through 45. Jesus has authority over life, and he has authority over death. The death of Lazarus is found, as I said, in John chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. And this chapter opens with Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, sending word that Lazarus, whom Jesus loved, was sick. The word love in this case is from the Greek philio, which describes a dearly loved friend. Filial love is different from God's love for us, which is agape. And in Greek, agape means unconditional love. It doesn't depend upon performance or worthiness. 
Agape love, as you probably have learned, is unearned and undeserved. It is a gift of grace from God. But in this case, Jesus is getting word that his friend, Lazarus, is sick. Upon hearing about Lazarus, Jesus says, This sickness is not unto death, but the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. But Jesus, see, Jesus always saw life as an opportunity to glorify the Father. And in this particular point, Jesus decides to stay an additional two days. Now, I've read about a Jewish tradition that the spirit of a person does not leave the body until after three days. And perhaps Jesus delayed his journey to make sure that there were no doubts that Lazarus was truly dead. Jesus then announces to the disciples that of his intention to go to Lazarus in Bethany. The disciples remind him that the religious leaders seek to stone him to death. And then Jesus speaks to them this puzzling statement in verses 9 and 10. And he, Jesus says, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if one stumbles and walks in the darkness, he stumbles because the light is not in him. This is one of those statements that's easily to overlook, but yet is so important for us to understand. This, this walking in the light is, is a metaphor or a parable for walking in close communication with God the Father. In John 8, beginning in verse 12, Jesus spoke to them saying, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. To be a true follower of Jesus means that we are in communication with the Lord. This is the relationship that God desires for his children. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You see, without communication, there can be no relationship. God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit living in the believer. Whereas walking in the darkness means walking in our own strength, our own understanding, or our own emotions. So what Jesus is saying at this particular point is that there are people, there may be people who wish to kill me, but I only do what the Father tells me to do. Neither the threats of the Pharisees nor the love I have for Lazarus and his sisters will move me. I can only do what the Father shows me to do. Look at what Jesus says in John chapter 5, beginning in verse 19. And then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. This is, empower, is, a, is, is powerful instruction for us. Through the Holy Spirit, we are led by the Father. Only what He says will He perform. So listen to what the Lord says in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. And the scriptures say, So shall my word be that, that goes forth from my, my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I send it. You see, only what God says will God perform. It's not necessarily what we want unless what we want lines up with his word.
So at this point, beginning in, in John chapter 11, Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. And when Jesus encounters Martha, Lazarus' sister, Martha says to Jesus in verse 21, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise. Now when Martha heard Jesus say, your brother will rise, she said, I know that he will rise. He will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. You see, Martha was thinking about the final res resurrection at the end of time. However, Jesus corrects her and says, and this is an important scripture for us, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Then verse 26, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then looking at Martha, he says, do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is to come into the world. Martha had the beginnings of a revelation from God. So here we have one of Jesus' most powerful I am statements. I am the resurrection and the life. You see, if one believes that Jesus is God in the flesh, and that he died for our sins, and that we are totally forgiven, and that then, then we will never die. Never die in this sense means that we will never be separated from God. Oh yes, we will experience physical death. But for a believer, death will be a passing from an earthly life to an eternal heavenly life. Now, I remember an expression I learned long ago, and it goes like this. If you are born once, you die twice. And if you're born twice, you die once. This means if you're only born physically, you will die twice. Once a physical death, then an eternal death. The Bible states in Revelations 20, beginning in verse 14, Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. However, if you were born twice, a physical birth and a spiritual birth being born again, you only die once, a physical death, and then you go to be with Jesus forever. Jesus then goes to the tomb of Lazarus, where he meets Mary, the other sister of Lazarus. Beginning verse 32. Then, when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who, who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him, meaning Lazarus? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then the shortest verse in the Bible is verse 35. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Here we get a glimpse into the humanity of Jesus. He wept over the grief and sadness of his dear friends. Sometimes we forget that Jesus experienced all the trials, temptations, and emotions that all of us as human beings experience. And it's in this humanity of Jesus that we have hope. 
You see, we can never say that God does not understand what we're going through because Jesus went through it all for us. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse beginning in verse 13, the scriptures tell us, No temptation has overtaken you except such is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And then again in Hebrews chapter 2, beginning in verse 18, For in that, in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is also able to aid those who are also tempted. Now some of the mourners who were present had, had a thought which is probably familiar to all of us. Couldn't God do something before now? And then it says in verse 37, And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? This would be a natural thought to have. But this kind of thought overlooks the purpose of God. That Jesus be glorified and thus the Father glorified in him. Listen, I know you know this verse, Romans 8.28. And it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called to the, according to his purpose. In this verse, there are two conditions. One is to love God. And the evidence of this love is obedience to the teachings of the scriptures. The second condition is that we are called to his purpose. As Jesus demonstrated time and time again, he only did what the Father showed him to do. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. And we must learn how to be led or directed by the Holy Spirit of God to bring glory to him. You see, it isn't always about us and what we want or what we think should happen. It's always about Him, our Lord and Savior. Then beginning in verse 38, Jesus finally stands before the tomb. A tomb, in fact, very much like the one He would be placed in after His crucifixion. The tomb was a cave in the wall of a, of a, of a, of a hill, and they had a big boulder or stole rolled in it to seal it. Verse 39 says, Jesus said, Take away the stone. And then Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he's been dead for four days. There's no doubt that he was dead. You see, Martha and Mary still did not understand what Jesus fully meant when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. They did not comprehend that Jesus had all authority and power over the physical realm as well as the spiritual realm. And then in verse 40, Jesus said to Martha, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And then verse 41, They took away the, the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus made this statement to give evidence that God the Father hears the obedient Son to all of those then and also to us today. And after saying these things, Jesus, in verse 43, cried out with a loud voice, 
Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hand, hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to those that were attending, Loose him and let him go. What a sight that must have been. To see one who was dead for four days rise up still in his grave clothes. I'll tell you, it must have been frightening for a moment. And then when they removed the grave cloths and saw Lazarus standing in perfect hell, there was joy unimaginable. Lazarus was raised from physical death towards physical life. And although Lazarus would die again, as is the fate of all mankind, he became the focus of God's glory. His resurrection demonstrated that even death is swallowed up in the victory of Jesus Christ. There is no miracle too small or too great that the Lord can't perform. And what God did then, God can do today. For he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me just take a moment to, 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 to speak a, a blessing and, and also a prayer for, for anyone who is listening or watching, that, that if you're experiencing uh, uh, sickness, you're experiencing uh, a disease, you're experiencing pain, that right now we just believe for God to produce a miracle in your life. And that you would give him the glory. When the pain goes, you would glorify him. When the sight comes, you would glorify him. When the healing comes, you would glorify him. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, I speak healing now that you would touch every person who is listening and faith would rise up inside of them and they would experience a touch from you that would heal their entire body. And so, Lord, we thank you, we praise you, and we thank you again in Jesus' name, in the mighty name of Jesus, in the glorious name of Jesus. In him resides all power and authority. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you the next time.